Well, welcome. Welcome to the Enneagram and the good news. Uh, this is our new series here on the Enneagram and Christianity and Crossroads podcast. Uh, so if you don't know your Enneagram style, we welcome you to check out webs.com that's w-e-p-s-s.com and there's a great inventory there to maybe help you land on your starting point wherever your landing space is and your type and then we like to say around here you're more than your type but it's good good thing to know where you start from that's right and this particular inventory um we just want to say the reason we utilize it dr jerome wagner has been our teacher professor at Loyola University for years. And it is a psychologically validated test um, from a person who is also a Jesuit priest for 25 years. So he's got this great combination of psychology and spirituality, and we have never found uh, an inventory quite like it. So check that out. Today we're going to be talking about Enneagram 8. They are the... They are the powerful person. We're going to talk a little bit about Jesus turning over tables in the temple. Lord have mercy. Talk about powerful. Yeah. Imagine being there in yeah. that situation. And we really are going to be looking at Jesus in all nine personality styles. Mm -hmm. So welcome and enjoy the podcast. Anyway, yeah. So we are set to have some fun for the next nine weeks. We are so looking forward to... Uh, spending some time around this subject of the Enneagram. Enneagram simply means uh, Ennea means nine, gram means point. So it's just kind of nine personality types around a circle. We're going to spend nine weeks of uh, looking at how Jesus manifests every personality type. Yes. Obviously, the wholeness of that. Uh, throughout the Gospels. So every week we're going to look at a different interaction that Jesus had in his lifetime. Of course, Jesus is so much more than nine types, right? But I think that'll be an encouragement to all of us. So we're looking forward to this. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the beauty of um, looking at a personality tool like the Enneagram, somebody said, why do you need a tool for the Gospel? So um, let's just think about a couple things. What's our food bank? It's a tool. For the good news, right? What is our um, educating children in Haiti? Tool for the good news. Um, what is Meals on Wheels? Right? Habitat for Humanity. I mean, there are, there are so many wonderful tools to be able to say God loves you. And sometimes people may not use the language of God, but can we just say every good and perfect gift comes from Above. God, yes, right? Yes. So anything good you see on the earth, anything powerful, anything effective, anything creative, anything wise, anything loyal, anything adventurous, anything powerful or peaceful, it's God. Can we all just say it's all God? It's all God. It's all about yes. God. In yes. fact, God gives us this idea, if you all would read it with me from 2 Corinthians in the Passion Version. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from, from our, our faces. faces. And with, with no, no veil, veil we, we all, all become, become like, like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. Jesus. We are We're being transfigured, transfigured in his, his image, image as we move from one brighter level of glory to, to another. another. And this glorious, glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who, who is, is spirit. spirit. And so, you know, you are beautiful, but you're not as beautiful as you're going to be in the next, mm -hmm. after 30 minutes. 
Because here's what happens. When you utilize a tool that actually is for discipleship, we all grow up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And we all say, okay, how can I grow in the grace and truth of God? How can I grow in mercy and justice? Mm -hmm. How can I grow in who the image of God is through me? So Mm -hmm. just look at the person next to you and say, you're getting better. You're getting better. You're getting brighter. You're getting brighter. So the word transformation that we use all the time around here is from the scripture. And uh, the word transformation comes from this Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis. And if you know anything about caterpillars or babies, they grow and transform in the silent secret places. But spiritual transformation is the process by which Christ is formed in us. Can y'all say us? Us. For the glory of God, for the abundance of our own lives, and for the sake of others. And there's some scriptures you can look up and just say, oh yeah, that is exactly a God idea. So here's John Calvin. John Calvin said, one never attains to true self-knowledge until he has previously contemplated the face of God and come down after such contemplation to look at himself. Like after you look at God and then you look at you, you realize that there might be some transformation that God has in mind, Mm -hmm. right? And our wisdom, if it's thought to be genuine, consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. So if we're growing in love for God and knowledge of God, trust me, you're going to get to know some stuff in yourself that you say, Mm -hmm. "That that does look like God. And you're going to say, wow, that must have come from God. Can't worship you, right? But we can thank you for being an instrument of God's peace. Mm -hmm. So the Enneagram and transformation. Yeah, so it's good. A good place to start is to maybe ask ourselves a question or two. So uh, let's read this together, if you can see it all right. How am I becoming the person I was created to become? What tools and spiritual practices am I utilizing to move toward becoming the person God created me to be? Now understand something, all of us are being formed. We're either being formed, kind of deformed, we are going in the wrong direction, not the direction we're hoping for, or we're stuck. That's a form of being formed, just to be stuck in in the space that we're at. or we're moving forward, we're moving toward Christ, we're becoming uh, what God has created us to be. So obviously all of us want to become that person. Now as Claire said, the Enneagram is a tool for transformation, for spiritual formation, just different terminology. Some of you are familiar with different terminology. It's a tool for discipleship. It's a tool for apprenticeship. It's a tool for evangelism. And some of you might say, well, how's it a tool for evangelism? Um, It's interesting, after Claire spoke last week and just kind of uh, threw out the thought that we were going to be spending some time around the Enneagram over the next nine weeks, uh, somebody came up to me after the service and said, I am so excited Uh, let me get some clarity. Are you guys really going to be talking about the Enneagram for the next nine weeks? And I said, yeah. And she said, I'm so excited because I've been asking some of my friends to come to church for years. And they're always kind of like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. She said, but I think that this is a perfect opportunity because she said, I think they'll really want to know more about themselves. And when we know more about ourselves, when we have a greater awareness of what's going on in our own life, then we can move toward God and allow God to do the work that God so desires to do in our life. So we encourage everybody, 
think of some of your friends, possibly, over these next nine weeks that might say, hey, I would be interested in finding out some more about myself because God so loves each and every one of us and wants to help us with that process, right? Well, one of the things that we know is some people say, you know, where is God in this? Well, the Christian tradition has been actually teaching this model of discipleship since the third century. I don't know if you know that, but we're not going into the history. You can read the little portion in our book that talks about the history. And we love the fact that all the way back in our early Christian tradition, there were people that were saying, how do you get stuck? How do you get in your own way? And how do you become like Jesus? Mm -hmm. How do you keep moving in this beautiful life that God has given you? And there are nine ways. And as Scott said, the Enneagram, all it means is a circle around nine points. Really not a big deal. You can see that it's just a circle around nine points, naming nine ways to see the face of God. God is peace. God is good. God is loving. God is effective. God is creative. God is wise. God is loyal. God is uh, joy. God is power and God is peace. Mm -hmm. So you have been made in God's own image. And let's read this together. Then God, God said, said, let us, let us make, make humankind in our, our image, image according to our likeness, and let, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, over, over the cattle, over the wild, wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Aren't you glad to know you have dominion over the creeps? Right. So now you, good. There's a scripture so for that. So good. There it is. So, so God, God created, created humankind. humankind in, in his, his image. image. And so today we're going to talk about the eights, which the eights are the powerful people. And there is good news for eights. Eights that are powerful people. How many of you, maybe, do you have a boss that's an eight? Do you have a spouse that's an eight? A friend that's an eight? You have uh, an enemy that's an eight? Well, what you'll discover is that eights come in all different packages. So if you can have Mother Teresa, right? and Saddam Hussein, and Dr. King, right? And Aretha Franklin, come on, R-E-S-P-C-T. That's what <laughs> it meant to her. And, and all of these people, the same personality style, these powerful people, you can see that power can be used for good or evil. So we have a friend who worked with Mother Teresa in Calcutta and, and talks about how she, he actually has a particular term for how she dealt with her staff as they were learning how to care for the poor. It was really an important part of her bringing her strength and letting the powers, the forces of evil know, not on my watch. That child's not going to starve on my watch. Those people are not going to traffic that child on my watch. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine Jesus is here? Now, you're going to find in all of the faces slides that we do over this series, you're going to see Jesus in every one of them because Jesus is all that and more. Can you all say and more? And more. Right, and, and more. more. And Jesus is powerful. Like, think about some of your favorite scriptures about the power of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, what scripture lights you up when you go, whoa, that was awesome, mm-hmm. right? Well, here's one of mine. Will you stand for the reading of the gospel? After this, Jesus, his mother and brothers, and his disciples went to Capernaum and stayed there for a few days. But the time was close for the Jewish Jewish Passover to begin, so Jesus walked to Jerusalem. 
And as he went into the temple courtyard, he noticed it was filled with merchants selling oxen, lambs, and doves for exorbitant prices, while others were overcharging as they exchanged currency behind the counters. So Jesus found some rope and made it into a whip. And then he drove out every one of them and their animals from the courtyard of the temple. And he kicked over their tables and filled with money, scattering it everywhere. And he shouted at the merchants saying, get these things out of here. Don't you dare make my father's house into a center of merchandise. That's when his disciples remembered the scripture. Hmm. I am consumed with a fiery passion to keep your house pure. Uh, Another version says, I am consumed with the zeal of God. And can you imagine our loving Jesus making a whip and driving everybody out saying, out, out, out. (laughs) I I love this one little spot here in, um, as you go down in the chapter, it says, when he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw signs he was doing. But Jesus on his part would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in everyone. Now, if that's not a powerful person, it's kind of like, what you say about me, it doesn't matter. I know what's in you right now, and so it really doesn't matter. And if you know any eights in your life, sometimes they're like that. It's like, really don't care what you think. This was unjust. You were using the poor. You were taking advantage of people. I'm kicking over the tables, (laughs) right? You might say Jesus has bad manners, but what we would say is that Jesus is perfect and never sinned. And so there is an anger that is righteous. Can you all say there is an anger? There is an anger. That is righteous. That is righteous. It's not bullish either. It is not. (laughs) It is this kind of power that Jesus had in Mark 3 when it says Jesus was furious as he looked over the crowd and he was grieved by their hard hearts. How can anyone care so much about the words of the law and so little about the spirit of it? Yes. You see that, don't you, all over media, like unhealthy eight energy where people are just being bullying each other with words, but they don't get the spirit that really a healthy eight like Jesus, there is good news. There are healthy eights, and Jesus is numero uno. Jesus shows us that powerful energy in him used for good. Uh, Kathleen Schertz says, use your power to empower. She's an eight. Use your power to empower. Jesus used his power to overthrow systems. Can you all say systems? Systems. We got some messed up systems, friends. Mm -hmm. We have messed up systems. And eights are some of the people that will help us kick the tables over Mm -hmm. and say, we are not having that. This other scripture that I read to you from Mark, it was about the religious people, again, getting irritated with Jesus Mm -hmm. because he healed somebody on the Sabbath day. Like, when have you ever come into church and gotten mad about something? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? You know, and, and, you know, there might be a righteous energy. Like, why did that person not get to go to the candle wall? Or why did that person not get food at the food pantry? I mean, there will be something like that. And good eight energy kicks the tables over and um, the right way. Yes. So we're not talking about violence. Only Jesus probably should kick tables over unless there's a really bad guy and you have to do that. Okay. <laughs> so Jesus, you guys can go ahead and be seated. Jesus exemplifies 
the, uh, what we want to call the true self. Some of you might use the terminology of just healthy eight energy, healthy eight kind of personality type. It's the scripture would refer to this as the new creation part of an eight, the authentic self, the resourceful self, the redemptive self, the new person, the new man, the new woman. Uh, this is the this is the true self that Jesus shows up with here and that we're invited to, and certainly any of our eight friends are invited to move toward this over and over again. Now, it's important to know, as Claire's saying, that Jesus expresses this outrage because there's a taking advantage in this gospel of the poor. The poor are showing up at the temple. Uh, they annually have to pay a tax. So they're not allowed to use Roman coinage, for instance. When they show up at the temple, there's a specific coin. Do you ever go to another country and you have to exchange your, your coin, uh, your U.S. dollars for coins from another country? Well, there's various prices you can pay for that, right? And sometimes you'll be in the airport and you'll pay one price. You go down the street to the bank, you pay another price. What was happening in the temple is they knew there was going to be this exchange that would happen. Jesus has no problem with with the exchange that's going on, it's the exorbitant amount that they're charging, taking advantage of people that are there to worship. And then you also see the, the same thing kind of played out with the sacrificial animals. People are traveling from all parts of the known world to show up to worship God, and they need to have sacrificial animals. It's a part of their worship experience, the way they knew how to worship God, and they were being taken advantage of paying, again, absorbent prices. And the beauty of that is that Jesus was kicking those tables over saying, this isn't going to be going on anymore. There's no more killing animals. There's no more stealing from the poor. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to bring a new system and overthrowing your old system. Yep. And so when you see the church changing over time, there are some things there are some systems in the church that need to have the tables kicked over, my right, friends, right, right, that right. do not fit. They just are not appropriate anymore to be done. And so thank God for eights who will do that. Yes. And Jesus uh, does this. Many theologians think that in John, John's account is early in the Gospels. It's early in his ministry. And then he does it again in the last week of his life. So it's this reoccurring experience that happens to kind of cleanse the temple. So, so you, just, think, you think Jesus will kick over the tables more than once in life? I think I've had some tables kicked over in my own life. So anyway, true self aids. So they show us, the true self aids show us, they embody the strength of the Lord. They're self-confident, they're strong, they're protective, they're resourceful, and they're decisive. They use empathic leadership. They give warm direction and loving power. Their holy muscle both constricts and relaxes, allowing vulnerability. They are sacred strength. When eights are living into their true self, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, powerful experience for us all to enjoy. Can we just thank God for eights right yeah. now that are like Jesus? There's a great scripture in uh, Psalm 68 that is so much an eight scripture. Uh, describing God, but also, I think, describing just that eight goodness in a person's life. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. 
So we have a resident eight who's going to read to us from uh, Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram. And so let's welcome Deb, and she's going to bring us her vulnerable, strong self today. this microphone, but that's okay. Um, I am an independent... little vigor- more up, Daniel. I am an independent, vigorous person who is comfortable taking the lead. I want to be respected for my strength and dependability, and that is more important than being liked. I am a no-nonsense go-getter who values honesty and faithfulness. I have no room for people who choose to be weak, but I will crusade for those who are weak without choice. In case you don't know, I work for Children's Protective Services. So <laughs> I will defend people I care about at any cost. I resist taking orders from people I don't respect or agree with. I will make my opinion known, my presence felt, and challenge the status quo. I want to fight injustice. I am direct, confrontational, I should say that twice, Decisive. Look at look at your husband. And courageous. And courageous in the heat of battle. And I can create my wars. I should probably say that more than twice. Some people may think I'm bossy, controlling, and ready to grab other people's power, but I don't want them to have power over me. I am known for having the last word. Rock on, sister. So, and you know, and healthy eights, really their personality is challenging, they're assertive, they're directors, they're challenging, they're blunt, they're direct, and we're glad to have someone in Child Protective Services that has such gifts, and that you're on that transforming journey. You know, what we know is that there can be a basic fear of being out of control and needing control and power, and and this beauty of being self-reliant, then they have to, you know, practice vulnerability and learn that there are ways for them to let go of power. Um, There are ways that they can, you know, let go of being the boss. There are ways that they can can let go of having to be in charge, right? So in their unhealthy self, they can be aggressive and confrontational and willful and domineering and self-centered and self-righteous and insensitive and prone to excess and believe they have the only truth and a difficulty in apologizing. And so one of, one of our dear friends, Chris Hewerts, is an eight, a very healthy eight, that has worked um, with the poorest of the poor and people in the margins for over 20 years. And he will talk about this need to realize there might be more than one truth in the room, that even though they see it and they say this is the truth, there might, you know, if they can just relax a little bit, they'll see this as being bigger than just their own truth. And that if they welcome other people's truth in, fabulous things can happen. Because here's something about the eights. Their heart breaks over injustice. And we need them to let their broken hearts uh, reform the systems of the world and bring justice. So I'm just going to ask Kathleen and Taneka and uh, Don to come on up. And they're going to give you just a little word on um, what breaks their hearts and, and let us understand what it's like um, for them to carry that and, and what they've done about it, um, that justice, that powerful person, and uh, who that powerful person is and what they bring to the, to the world. 
So Kathleen, I'll start with you since you're sitting right here. What, what breaks your heart and how do you bring your powerful, justice-seeking self to the world? Let's get the unhealthy off there while we're talking about <laughs> yes, this. Please, <laughs> well, at least it's not flashing. <laughs> uh, well, um, so one of the things that breaks my heart is um, the marginalized people in our communities. Um, people, specifically people that um, are in poverty. And um, so, and also people that are um, not aware of their potential. Um, you know, one of the things that, of course, as a, as a Christ follower, I approach people knowing that they're made in God's image and um, that the gifts and abilities on the inside of them are, are there. And, but not everybody knows that. So one of, my, one of my great desires and passions is to help draw that out of people. Um, and uh, as a challenger, that is really um, a real um, natural thing for me to do, <laughs> is, to, is to just, um, in a positive way, that's you know, when, I'm, when I'm in my truest self, um, and one of the ways that I do that here at Crossroads is when I teach the SHAPE class. Some of you guys have been in the SHAPE class, and we talk about, you know, the giftings that God has given you, the abilities, your passions, your experiences, and how all of those work together for your purpose and, and to walk into your potential. So that's a big, that's a big passion of mine. And um, then the work that I do through my business, I do vocational coaching through the state of Michigan and really work with people that are in poverty, uh, people with disabilities or disadvantaged in some way, and um, I find a lot of a lot of purpose in in um, connecting with them and helping them to see another way. And um, yeah, so that's that's one of the ways, two of the ways. And so you know, just the beauty of that, Kathleen, because a lot of people can see you know the strength in you, the challenger in you. Um, but I want them to know it's connected to your heart that breaks for people. Mm -hmm. People don't realize you're a person that is easy to come to tears. Oh, yeah. And, um, and you, your heart breaks for these things. And we thank God for you. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. Mm. Thank you. I thank God for Come on. Thank God for Kathleen. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you, need, you need an eight on your side, don't you? Yeah. All right, Taneka, tell us about the eightness of it all. Well... I only have a couple minutes, so I can't tell you all about the okay, yeah. it. Okay, <laughs> um, But yeah, and so for me, um, it's it's like I was telling you this morning, and you were touching on it. Um, systems. Um, I've had to personally navigate systems. I've had to help the people that I work with navigate systems, and the systems are broken. That's just the reality of it, you know. Um, there's a lot of systems that are founded on brokenness, and they need to be brought into a place to where they're at least on the pathway to wholeness. Um, and it's in every sector, whether it's to help people, um, whether it's through employment. Um, and, like, this morning I was telling her about a story, you know. I'm more of an advocate, too. Um, so I will go and say what needs to be said. Um <laughs> And help advocate for people that I work with, people that I don't even know. I've been doing that, like, all my life, but I, that's another story um, in itself. But, yeah, it's just more of really getting into these systems and um, 
kind of help bring some kind of form of correction to what they've been founded on. So um, uh, one of your clients was going to be um, let go yeah. if they... Yeah, so um, I've had, you know, a client that was on the way out the door, right? Um, and so I, she was telling me what was going on because um, I work with families um, along with individuals too, but this particular was a family thing that I was doing and she was going to be let go and it was more because of the policy around her attendance. Well, her son had a chronic illness, so she was in, you know, the ER a lot. And so they were really, the way that they were coming at her was in a way that really wasn't real and they really couldn't do it. So she called, she talked to me and I said, what are your thoughts about me coming in with you? She was like, if you can do that, that'd be great. So of course they were like, um, what you're coming where would it, I was getting phone calls from the employer. Like, what are you coming to do? Are you a lawyer? No, I am not a lawyer. I'm just coming <laughs> in just so that I can better, you know, help her better understand what's going on. And so long story short, um, by the time we left there, they were like, okay, so we need to change our policies across the board because the things awesome. that they, you know, I just asked the questions, you know, I didn't awesome. have to flip any tables this time, <laughs> but it's just really just asking those clarifying questions on, okay, so you're saying this and helping them see that, you know, they, they needed to change up some stuff. So, <laughs> and sometimes just the presence of an eight. Yes. What are you a lawyer? Oh you know yeah. What I mean? Oh yeah. I was <laughs> getting like, Oh, oh my no, God. Honestly, they, they do, they are. No, should know. we get one? <laughs> are you going to check on that? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Don, and tell us well, how are you bringing your bad self to the world? I just tell everybody I am a lawyer. <laughs> um, so I, I think for me, it's, um, it brings forth itself in um, helping those that are under-resourced, especially uh, children and families, um, those that don't have access uh, to health care, and in recent years, learning more and more about the uh, discrepancies in infant mortality rates between uh, people of color and the white folks in the cup and the counties right here, and the huge difference between those, and the way that I've been able to learn and grow in that is thankfully my friend Matt Lynn asked me to be a part of uh, United Way 10 years ago. And so the way that I've been able to be a part of that is by helping uh, develop teams and um, listening to conversations and bringing consensus in communities and also helping to uh, recreate systems uh, to get funding to places where it's really making a difference uh, instead of places where it's not. So the, those are the, the big places on the outside. And then for here at Crossroads, it's been um, uh, my number one job on Sunday morning is I'm kind of the, the time traffic cop, uh, keeping things moving, moving on time because structure is such a big deal to me. And the places here at Crossroads where I've, uh, I've really felt most alive and most making a difference here is when I've been able to work with teams, uh, working with teens and young people and getting you know 20 or 30 adults trained and helping them find their passions so they can make a difference in kids' lives. So uh, that's kind of the way that, that my bossiness finds itself. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've bossed everybody around at, at some point in the, the history of being here. Yeah. And, um, you and can the, see people's tears from me all over uh -huh. this building. Right, trail, yeah. Anyway, won't say that. Um, so, you know, but if you see Don get, shoot me the evil eye, uh, it's, it's just love. It's just love. <laughs> He's trying to communicate something.
Kathleen, did you have a story you wanted? You said you had something else you wanted well, to Well, I, I didn't know how much time I had, but I, a story that happened just this week that I think is really a, a great example of um, eight energy is, um, so one of my, um, as I said, I'm a vocational coach for State of Michigan, and one of the gals I was working with, um, her obstacle for employment was her self-confidence. She was lacking self-confidence, so I was contracted to work with her on her self-confidence. And so when I met with her, one of the first things I do is the, uh, the WEPS test to understand her Enneagram okay, number. Okay, so Kathleen's talking about the test that's on the page that we have on our website, Enneagram, the Enneagram Im- Inventory. If you don't know what your type is, Go ahead and take that. It'll help you. But most of the eights, if you're an eight and you didn't know you were an eight before you got here, you probably know now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's one of the first things that I do with every uh, person that I work with. And so um, as I met with her and asked about her self-confidence and what she thinks is um, the biggest obstacle to that is um, she explained to me that she has a third grade reading level and she's 30 years old. And, um, and that's not unusual for some of the people that I work with. And so we have tools and we work with that. And, um, but as I met with her, I realized I was just, I didn't believe that. I, I, I was like that. And I'm thinking in my head first. And then I'm thinking my challenger eight wants to challenge that. And my five wants to investigate that further. And so I asked her if she would take my reading assessment which she did, and to her surprise, I wasn't surprised by it, but she scored almost to high school level reading. Wow. So, yeah, so here this, this gal was um, wanting to make a career change, or needing to make a career change because they were transitioning her position out, which created a lot of fear and anxiety because of her reading level. And so when I helped her to understand that um, your reading level is not third grade, she was, she was amazed, and, and so this was in the beginning of the summer, and, and so she started classes at KCC because that was her, what her goal was, but she was so fearful of it. And so we shoot texts back and forth to each other when she feels like it's getting too difficult and too hard and encourage her. Well, just Thursday night, she sent me a picture of her report card, straight A's. Awesome. Yeah. So awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. That was just a, um, to me, it was just like a, it was such a gift. And I I did cry. I cried and I'm sending her all these emojis of, you you know, people dancing and (laughs) it was great. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have somebody that's on your side, that is an advocate that is saying injustice is not going to happen here. You've, you've got the power. That's an eight song, right? right. And you can, you can feel that energy from eights in very different ways. Some, some have a little bit more of a presence that feels, you know, like, um, like Saddam Hussein and that's not healthy. And then you have people that feel like mother Teresa. And so let's give it up for the wonderful eights in our midst. I, um, I just, I just wanted to mention, you know, I just, can you guys just feel, uh, just God's presence in just them sharing themselves. Isn't that just so good, right? Amen. Yeah. Now, obviously, we, we wanted to bring up a few uh, folks that we know are on this transformational journey. We in didn't their ask life. Saddam Hussein to join right. us today. But so. it's interesting because in preparation this week, I watched a pastor that's a really well-known pastor that I know just by picking up his vibe is an eight. And some of you may even have some of his books on your bookshelf at home, but such an unhealthy eight. 
And as I was listening to an interview, it was just a five-minute interview, it was like the exact opposite of what we just experienced. And I thought to myself, and this is a guy that's really world famous, and I thought to myself, this is what happens to us when we get, in, we get vested in our stuckness. Like we have got to be careful that, like he literally has kind of, he's invested his life in some issues and some things that are going to really, it's really, it's very bullish and it's going to be really hard for him to get out of. Uh, he has my prayers for that. But anyway, God wants us to be growing, moving forward, wants us to be felt like we just felt our eights as they presented to us, right? F- feel the presence of God through one another's lives. Yeah. Right. So will you stand with us? Here is the reality of how to love an eight. These eights really do need our love, even though they look like they're all self-contained. We want to show them affection even when they don't look like they need it. Many times they feel like it's just them against the world. Do all the eights want to say amen? Mm-hmm. Many times they feel, you know, that they really are, they're the ones that are fighting this battle and they need to know we see them. Remind them with encouraging words that you believe in them. Send them a dancing emoji, right? Remind them with encouraging words that you believe in them. You're in their corner. Remind them that they can trust you and why they can trust you. Help them to see when they're overbearing or dominating in their affect. And encourage them to be sensitive to the position of another person and that they they feel is against them. And help them get out of crusade mode by enjoying the play of children. Help them develop an appetite for the experiences where they don't have to show their power. Um, My friend Chris, he, he has a dog named Basil he got from the rescue. And that dog, Basil, helps him regularly just manage his big power. Relating to an eight, invite them to tell you about the world, what in the world needs to be fixed. Ask them. And drop the plow a bit deeper and ask what breaks their heart. Just like we did here. Ask them. Because that tenderness will actually connect them to their heart in ways that give them a way to see God. Because God's heart breaks there too. We encourage our eights to Memorize the verse, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. And that they don't have to be the powerful ones, but they can actually let go of their power and receive the power of God. We, we teach them a breath prayer that just breathing in, saying your power is perfect in my weakness. And if they practice that regularly, their neurobiology will start to create new neural pathways for them to let go of powering up and to relaxing that and allowing them to be weak. See, because we saw Jesus flipping over tables, we also see Jesus crying over people and his heart move with compassion. And, and so we're just going to ask you to take a moment and just bow your head and consider um, in your own heart and mind an eight that has shown you the face of God. And begin to give thanks. Thanking God for their presence. Advocating for you, protecting you showing up for you in places other people don't show up. 
And if that's you, just give thanks to God that you, this is your inherent made in God's image. And then you maybe have an aid in your mind that has bullied you or dominated you or abused you, has used their power. You could just hold this person in God's presence today and ask God, is there anything you want to say to me about this? Is there any, anything you want to do with me around that person and that issue, what happened? How can I seek healing? And let that question stay with you if there is not an answer yet. Stay with the question. And then come back to the person of Jesus who lived in that energy of the powerful person, the challenger, the one who's willing to flip over tables, the one who shows up on a Sabbath for a man who needs to be healed, even when the system says it's not the right way to do church. And just return to the person of Jesus that anytime Jesus' anger showed up, it was for a just cause. And if you have a hard time with this part of the character of Jesus, just tell Jesus that. Say, I'm having a hard time with the flipping tables over. Can you help me understand more what that was about? And if you're an eight and you've been flipping tables over, but it's really not God's spirit moving through you, but a spirit of anger, just say, God, how would you like me to move forward?
May the Holy Three bless your vulnerable journey home to your true self. May God the Father give you wisdom to understand that strength is made perfect in your weakness. May the heart of Jesus infuse and compel your heart's passions, helping you to be tender with yourself. May the Holy Spirit ground you with patience to wait for all that will be accomplished in you. May the sacred strength of the Trinity lead you on your road, empowering you and loving you. Be blessed, friends. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Have a great, great week. I got the power. (laughs) I mean, did you feel the power of Don, Kathleen, Tanaka, and Debbie Potter? I just loved these folks that really are an embodiment of the power of God and the power of God for good. Yeah, transforming eights just makes such a powerful difference in the world in a good way. They just get things done. They see things uh, that need to be addressed, and they're so uh, strong and clear about getting those things done. And when they're transforming, it's just such a great gift and benefit to all of us. Yeah, I mean, you can just feel the strength and tenderness of of all four of these people. And so we just want to say welcome to this series. Um, It is really an amazing experience that we've had together. And we want to just let you know that we're going to be looking at the face of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and all nine Enneagram styles. So invite your friends. Don't miss it. This is going to be a time for transformation. That's right. We're so looking forward to this journey with you all and any of your friends you can bring along on the journey with you. Have a great week.